More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We hope all of you are having fantastic Thursdays. We have got a lot to discuss, as we always do with all of you. We're going to dive into the Trump vice presidential discussion. On Laura Ingram, he named several people that he is considering Does it matter what might the impact be as we sit here two days from South Carolina? We'll also give you some updates on what's going on in the primary down in South Carolina. As I think, frankly, South Carolinians are prepared to tell Nikki Haley, this is not your time. Trump is going to be the nominee. We'll talk some about the idea of the seizure of Trump assets, including his buildings, which is now being uh discussed by Letitia James, the AG who ran on the idea that she was going to get Trump no matter what, and guess what, found a way to try to get Trump no matter what. But, Buck, I want to start with a story that, for some of you out there, may not be on the top of your radar, and you may not be thinking about what the impact of this may be. But as we come into 2024... And as I bet your kids and grandkids become more and more active in experiencing it online. I want to talk about what's going on with AI, uh, artificial intelligence, the growth that we are seeing there, and the degree, Buck, to me, of what I am seeing is just a re, uh, sort of a recapitulation of all of the flaws that existed in social media now being created and impacted in AI in the same way that every social media site, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, on some way designs an algorithm by a human that determines what you do and do not see. AI, there's a scary, ridiculous, somewhat maybe a little bit funny, but but also terrifying story of what's going on with Google's AI uh, service, Buck. And, and I know we were talking about this off air, so I know you've seen it too. Basically, they designed it so there's no way that you can get an image of a white person, no matter what your prompt of request is. 
And for those of you out there who are not familiar with AI at all, trying to explain it in just a couple of sentences, it's a video or image-based version of search. Also uh, very strong textually, but it's moving more and more into uh, imagery and videos. And the idea is basically you give it a prompt, for instance, with Google where they were using this and being able to expose its flaws, it was saying, hey, Google, give me a picture of the Pope. And the Pope pictures that AI were returning were all minority figures. If you asked for a Viking, a picture of a Viking, the people that you were getting back were black Vikings, obviously, who did not exist. If you asked for pictures of the founding fathers, they were giving you pictures back of some black people sitting at the table with the founding fathers. And I would guess, Buck, that the intent here is to avoid being racist. And they wrote in code, which basically made it impossible for a white person to be uh, revealed when it was making, when you were getting these prompts. To me, that's maybe somewhat a little funny, also scary, but to a larger context, when when you know that kids growing up today are going to be using this as a default Google search, instead of the way Google works now, you type in, uh, you know, hotel on South Beach or something, and you get a bunch of different hotels that would uh, show up as the link, or you type in, you know, who was the eighth president of the United States, and you get a prompt that allows you to go click on links, you're not actually going and reading and discovering the information from your request. It's being given to you. Search is being created more powerfully than maybe it ever has been before, and it's making these algorithms even more powerful. And so as a result, they are now stopping the Google uh, search buck on AI but are you troubled by this? Because I think it could be a huge story for 2024. And all of these AI uh, wokeified, I would say, algorithms are going to artificially distort the real reality in a similar way that I think we have seen with social media. And Rising. I think that's going to be that's going to be the challenge. Yeah. What they're saying about this is that it's an overcorrection, right? They're saying that they were trying to make sure that racist things didn't happen. And so they made it so that there are no, you're not getting any images of anyone who is white. But this also is occurring in a broader context, right? There's something else that's going on here. I mean, I think everyone has, has seen now, particularly the last few years, but it stretches back for about a decade, that uh, diversity and inclusion is effectively a religious belief, uh, that people feel there is a need to fill our society, our history, everything with the tenets of diversity and inclusion, especially anything that has to do with, uh, with pop culture. Um, I, I mentioned before on, on this show, I watch, you know, I like anything that has Vikings in it. And I, I should note that there yeah. were, there were, um, uh, some people that did a Viking search and sure enough, the Vikings were, you know, people of, uh, of dark, dark skin and, and that's, a, a bit unusual, right? I mean, historically, that would not be accurate. And uh, the reality here is when they were doing the Netflix show, uh, when they were trying to 
get people interested in, I guess, the beginnings of, uh, I think it's Viking, I forget what the full title is, Viking something or other. Clay, they cast a black woman as a 10th century Viking Jarl, or kind of like an earl or a king, who really existed. So, so this stuff is already happening, meaning that there's the rewriting of history and pop culture with people who are uh, being depicted as non-white. And it's in that context that when you have an AI machine that is doing this, everyone starts to feel like, is it, I mean, okay, this went too far, but is it really a mistake? Is diversity and meaning from their end, is diversity and inclusion a part of the algorithm such that they're going to try to create more inclusiveness throughout history and they're going to try to elevate some things? The whole notion of a neutral algorithm from the beginning, really the earliest days of Google is really a fiction. Just like editorial lines at newspapers being neutral is a fiction. And I think this goes toward everyone understanding that better. Yeah, and I would say this is a natural outgrowth of Hamilton, which decided, hey, we're going to put minority characters into the role of historical characters, which then was followed by, what is the show, Bridgerton, that they make such a big deal about, hey, this is a story about 18th century England, but the race of the characters really doesn't matter at all, um, which is a form of colorblindness, which you're not supposed to do, which is its own interesting story. We've talked about on this show, Buck, Hannibal, I believe they're making a movie with Denzel Washington playing Hannibal, uh, which is not accurately reflected, obviously, of what his skin color would have been. So, Cleopatra, I think they just did recently and with it did a horribly. black woman. It did horribly yeah. on Netflix. No one wanted to watch it. I would just add, my, my issue with, look, you and I both love Denzel Washington as an yeah. actor. Correct. Um, I think he's one of the best living actors today and, and with one of the most impressive bodies of work. I think he may be a fantastic Hannibal. I, I actually don't really have an issue with it. My issue is I want people to at least understand or I want people to be taught that Carthage, those the Carthaginians were not North Africans in the way we think of them now, which would be predominantly Arab, sort of olive-skinned Muslim, right? I mean, or, you know, tan-complexion uh, uh, Muslims. Um, they were white. They were Greeks, effectively. They would have yeah. looked very much like the Greeks looked or like the Romans looked. And as long as people understand that history, I have less of an it, but very few people do. And so when you start introducing these things into the popular culture, it erases the historical reality. And I think some of that is intentional. And I was somebody who said early on, I think Hamilton is, is a very, uh, honestly, kind of a, a, a strange premise in a lot of ways. Keep in mind, the only white person in it is the King of England who's terrible, right? Who's like the bad guy, um, which I think if you did that in any other context, people would recognize that's that make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I also just thought it wasn't good. And yeah. what bothered me, and I really mean that as a piece of art, I didn't think it was good. And what bothered me was, I actually thought it was crap, um, but that you were supposed to say it was good. Like, if you didn't say it was good, there was something wrong with you. That felt very Soviet to me, right? It felt like everyone has to stand and clap because Stalin likes the symphony. I also would say I'm not aware, and I would I would love if somebody did know this, is there any other country in the world that is obsessed with making historical characters a different race than they would otherwise be? In other words, if you're making a movie in India right now and you're doing a story about Indian history, would there be any call in what they call Bollywood to come back in and cast someone who is historically Indian and a different race? Well, it all, you also get to, Clay, history is 
uh, often very non-inclusive, right? I mean, if you're going to go back in history and look for great female leadership 2,000 years ago, you can find it here and there, but there's not going to be a lot of it, right? Joan of Arc. Cleopatra. I mean, there's like well, two or three characters, right? Well, I mean, I, I said 1500 years ago, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go back far enough, what you'll find is that a lot of history is actually quite exclusionary. You could even argue mankind was predatory against mankind and, and there was no effort, um, made to balance things out. And so if you're looking at what actually happened, who discovered stuff, who conquered stuff, who found stuff, it's not going to be what the uh, sociology department at Brown University wants it to be. And that's what? a challenge that they're always going to face, which is why I think there's such an obsession with making, you know, a 10th century Viking Earl a black woman. There were no black women who were 10th century Viking Earls. Western civilization triumphed, thankfully. It's why we all have democracy, republics, freedom, freedom of speech. All those things are good, good cultural appropriation. Here's a, a kind of summing it up, and I'm open to your calls because some of you out there probably are far more sophisticated in terms of your AI knowledge than either Buck or myself would be. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm about a 9 on being concerned right now based on what I'm seeing about what the impact of these AI algorithms are going to be because I think we're finally catching up, Buck, with Twitter where Elon Musk is giving us some form of a free uh, expression site, and I think that can be very helpful. It took a decade for that to happen on social media, 15 years. I don't know that there's going to be the equivalent in AI. I hope I'm wrong, but it seems to me like we're just creating new woker algorithms that could be even more impactful. Absolutely, and when you're talking about AI, you're not just talking about the editorial choice of what to put up the page. You're talking about the ability to fabricate primary source material, archival footage, archival photos, all kinds of text that would be, you know, aged looking and AI can make it look real, right? So our, our perception of the past, I don't think people should, um, should leave out the possibility here because I think it's very real that there are people on the left who would feel ideologically, uh, they would feel righteous in doing their version of you know what the soviets used to do when they would uh, when they would eliminate something they kept you know pretty detailed records sometimes they would use a razor blade uh clay to remove the name from paper cuz they just figured you know we're, we're going to excise it that way so it's like it was never even there yeah. you know there's still a hole right but it doesn't matter it's gone forever um it feels very soviet to me that they want to try to change what our perception of, of history is because they recognize that controlling the past gives you power over the narrative of the present. I it, I think everybody out there should be terrified. I'd be interested in your calls. And again, so many kids, the power of AI is they're going to blindly accept what they are told. And that is scary no matter what the concept is. But I think it's even more so because at least Google Buck gives you the opportunity when you do a Google search, you can scroll down. A lot of people click on the first thing, whatever it is. But you can scroll down and you can look at the first seven or eight or even the first page results and make a choice about the source that you want to pick. Not here. You know, it would be a fascinating uh, Venn diagram. People who enthusiastically masked up, people who had Ukraine flags in their bio, and people who openly loved Hamilton when it came out. 
These are all people <laughs> that do whatever the machine tells them to do. So I, one one thing as we go to break here in the first segment. I want someone smart to do a country and Western version of the Obama administration, and I want them to have a white guy playing Obama and see what the result is. Barack and Michelle Obama, country and Western version. I want white people playing Barack and Michelle Obama in a country and Western version of their uh, of their administration and see what the reaction would be. If you have valuables in your home, like gold or silver, for instance, you definitely need a safe to protect them. Plus, if you keep cash on hand, you have firearms, you need to keep safe. More than 2 million Americans have chosen Liberty Safe for this once-in-a-lifetime purchase. This is one that you want to get right, because once you get your safe in, you're not going to want to move it, right? So get the right one the first time. That's why I have a Liberty Safe in my home. An American-made Liberty Safe can fit anywhere with more than 30 models, two dozen colors, and thousands of custom options to help create the safe of your dreams. Liberty safes are guaranteed for life, and if yours is ever damaged in an attempted break-in or fire, your Liberty safe will be replaced free. It's the best warranty you can get. And your privacy is built into every Liberty safe with industry-leading privacy protections. Shop libertysafe.com slash radio for a customized Fortress Strong Liberty safe. Use coupon code radio for a 10% discount for supporting Liberty Safes made in America by Americans. You'll also get a free $60 value lock-in gun vault with your Liberty Safe purchase. That's just for members of this audience. Use coupon code radio when you go to libertysafe.com slash radio. Again, that's libertysafe.com slash radio, code radio. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. On the front lines of truth. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
when I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Second hour, Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, lines are open, 800-282-2882. About to dive into a couple of different topics. Biden on student debt, student loan relief, basically socializing the debts of certain people to buy votes. Also, the Trump VP sweepstakes continues. Uh, the cash cards, debit cards for illegals in New York City. Um, we'll dive into all that. Um, and uh, we just finished a, a discussion on Joe Biden's dog, which has bitten 24 times in the White House, 24 times German Shepherd. Oh, one of, uh, one of our listeners texted me and said, hey, you said your dog trainer is great. Our dog trainer's name is Tekla, and her website is universityofdog.com. She's phenomenal. You, phenomenal. You, I, I bet that website gets knocked offline now. I'm just. It, she's I mean, amazing. not a, not a she's, bad, not a bad problem for her saying. to have necessarily. But I bet a lot of times with advertisers on this show, the first time they come on, we knock their website we, off. So I it, bet it, it the University of Dog dot com <laughs> is not usually uh, Del whatever the website. She's amazing. You just gave she out. does virtual virtual training. We send her videos because we love like Ginger. Those of you who watch on the stream, clayandbuck.com, dot com, go sign up for it. Um. Uh, you will see occasionally I'm bending down and dealing with something. It's usually because Ginger is pawing out my foot to play with her or something, but she's so much, uh, better with us leaving her than she used to be. She had terrible separation anxiety. Dogs have separation anxiety from their owners, like baby, like a baby that's left alone. And, uh, Tecla got us to get that totally under control with some ingenious training stuff. So it's universityofdog.com for her if you want to go uh, do that and just, Helping the dog owners out there. I, I, I'd never had a dog trainer before and now it's like I would never not have a dog trainer as somebody who has a dog. Um, all right. Now let's dive into, um, the latest here with you, you, you want to do VP or student loan debt first, Clay? Well, it's stupid. Do do? Well, the student loan VP thing is just yes. Yeah. Let's okay. Do let's VP. do, let's do VP. So, so Trump was, uh, he was talking to Laura Ingram about this and, uh, he, Brought up the V, or she brought up the VP issue, and, and here's here's what he said. Here's how he's thinking, at least, about this play. Fifteen. What qualities are you looking for in your vice presidential pick? Well, always the first quality has to be somebody that you think will be a good president, because if something should happen, you have to have somebody that's going to be a great president. A lot of people are talking about that gentleman right over there. He's been so great. He's been such a great advocate. I, I have to say, I don't. This is in a very positive way. Tim Scott. He has been much better for me than he was for himself. I watched his campaign, and he doesn't like talking about himself. But boy, does he talk about Trump. And I said, you know, I called him. I said, Tim, you're better for me than you were for yourself. But he's fantastic, and he's a fantastic person. Uh, so no, I want somebody that can. Someone be, who can step into the role. Most importantly, you have to view that. Somebody who could step into the role. At some level, Clay, I think you could argue this is a lesson that the Democrats learned. You can't think of the vice president as just an, a kind of adjunct for the optics to the president, right? Oh, look, we've got a vice president who's a woman and a minority, and therefore it's, it more completes yeah. the ticket for Democrat. It has to be, if 
something happens. This person can step in and do it. So that's what he's saying, which is really the pro- that has always been, I mean, from the beginning, the mission of the VP. You saw the list. There were some names on there that were mentioned, and Trump said, yes, they're all under consideration. There's some names that weren't on there. In your mind, is there a favorite right now? Is there somebody that you're just saying, I think, are you, are you putting your money on? Who would it so be? So if, if I were betting right now, my analysis is this. I think Trump is going to want someone who is unlikely to steal his shine in any way. So to me, Vivek Ramaswamy, for instance, would be unlikely because I think Vivek would steal some shine. Um, I don't think that Trump is going to go out and get who I think would be the most qualified person, Ron DeSantis. There's also complicating factors associated with uh, the, uh, the 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 Florida issue. Whether did, did you see what Ron wanted. said? Yes. R- yeah, yeah. Ron said yesterday, "Nah, no thanks. I don't want that job." So we told you all along, no chance. Ron was never running to VVP. He will absolutely not take a VP job. So I think Trump's going to pick a woman. Um, and that's not to say when I just said somebody who's not going to steal the shine that there aren't women who would steal the shine. I, I think there are. Um, I think it will be one. If I were betting right now, I think Christy Noam is the most likely pick. If I were betting right now, I would put my money on Christy Noam. Here's a couple of names that to me, Buck, would be potential plays for Trump that I think would do well. Um, I haven't heard hardly anybody talk about this. I think Katie Britt, senator from Alabama, she is, I believe, like 42 years old, young. I think she has three kids. Somebody can correct me on the bio if I'm wrong. Uh, I think she is a under-the-radar stud potential addition that would help Trump with women. I'm just going to say this. I mean, we all we all know this. This isn't a knock on Trump. This isn't a criticism, but it's just we know the guy, right? He likes that she's pretty. He, he's going to want a yeah. pretty woman. Yeah. You know? And Christy and so, Noam and Katie Britt both. I mean, look, there's a cosmetic element to all politics. I think he would like both of them. Uh, Marsha Blackburn. I, we have her on the show a lot. I love Marsha Blackburn. She's my senator. One of the two. I like Bill Haggerty too. Both of them are doing, I elegant think, very good Southern jobs. lady. I think she would, she would also be I think, very uh, comfortable a, a, in that. A role. grandma. She, now she's running for reelection here in Tennessee. She's going to win by 20 points or so, Buck. Uh, for her second term, but I think that she would do really well. I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders is in that mix as a mom. Uh, I would, those are the four names that I would say off the top. Like, and I know there's been some talk, for instance, about Elise Stefanik, who, who held Harvard and, uh, and, and, uh, what was it? MIT. And also, uh, what, what's that? Penn held all of those presidents accountable. I think she is more of a attack dog that could take some of the shine off of Trump. The four women that I named, I think would be in the mix. I think Tim Scott, who we gave a shout out to, is uh is also in the mix. And look, I, I think he's going to pick a woman. And we haven't talked about this a lot, but the New York Times had a front page story about what Trump's policy on abortion is going to be. I think he's going to roll that out soon. I've mentioned Nikki Haley before. I think things have gotten so contentious between them. I think if Nikki Haley had gone to Trump after New Hampshire and she had said, hey, you're going to be the nominee, I'm ready to endorse you, 
I think she might have been at the top of the list. I think that she's misplayed and mishandled this, frankly. Um, I, I, I don't know who's advising her, but I think they've done a poor job, Buck. Those are my names. Who would uh-huh. you say, if he came to you, should be on the list? I, I actually said this yesterday, and, and the more I think about it, the more I believe I think that she's looking for a future in corporate America, and so whatever the huge money donors want her to do, she'll do right now, which means staying in the race, because she has no chance of winning it. We all know it. What's the point at this phase? Ron DeSantis, to his credit, went to Iowa. Didn't happen. He's like, all right, the yep. people have spoken. I'm out. It's the right call. It's the right it call. It was the right call. Um, and, uh, you know, the Nikki Haley thing, I don't think she's helping her long-term political brand, but I think she might be helping her earning power. Um, for me, dude, I, I, I don't know why. I just still think it's going to be J.D. Vance. You know? I like J.D. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, when I say I don't know why, I, there's a lot of reasons why, but I, that's just my, my gut instinct on this. I heard that as a rumor coming out of some, uh, Folks with ears inside Mar-a-Lago a while ago, last summer actually, first time that I heard it, and that it was under consideration from someone who maybe heard it from a guy who probably knows. Um, and uh, to me, that would that would make a, a lot of sense, especially if you want somebody who's clearly going to learn in the role and be more prepared for a top leadership role in the GOP going forward, right? So I, I don't think it. You know, I I think that with with JD Vance, you'd have somebody who after four years of being vice president, after being a senator for a while, and also, you know, best-selling author, Hillbilly Elegy, I'm sure many of you have read it, um, it would seem to me like there's a, the, the passing of the baton would be obvious, and therefore there'd be no overshadowing of Trump or attempt to overshadow Trump, because everyone's very clear. Whereas if you bring somebody who's a little bit older and has more national-level ambitions. I mean, if you were to even have brought in a Nikki Haley, let's say, earlier on, which that's not going to happen now, I think, um, that, you know, there's egos in, at play here. Do you know what I mean? Like, clearly, yeah. if he picks J.D., J.D. knows that he's in the on-deck circle. He's he's yeah. not at bat. No, I think that I think that's important. And, and you can look at some of the selections in the past, right? Let's just run through. Bill Clinton picked Al Gore, and everybody said, okay, Al Gore's in the on-deck circle. He's next man up. Uh, George W. Bush picked Dick Cheney, and everybody said, okay, this guy's never running for president himself. He's an older guy. He's well, more of a steadfast advisor. They also said Dick Cheney was running the presidency, though, remember? Correct. It was, oh, Dick Cheney yeah. was the stealth president, was the whole claim of the left for eight years. And from what I understand, it wasn't that untrue. Yeah, well... And, uh, that's why I don't have a lot of, uh, frankly, love for Liz Cheney because she's ripping Trump now. And my position would be your dad made probably the most disastrous leadership decision of the 21st century when he decided to convince George W. Bush that we had to invade Iraq, spend trillions of dollars, get virtually no benefit, lose thousands of lives. And now you're going to lecture me about threats to democracy. I'm sorry. I think your daddy is the worst uh, of the leaders in terms of real big decisions that were made uh, by almost anyone in the 21st century. So don't lecture me on Trump being an existential threat to the government when your daddy, Liz, actually made, I think, the worst decisions of the 21st century, cost us thousands of young lives and trillions of dollars that we're never going to get back. So I'm still fired up about that, by the way. So I'm not a big Dick Cheney or Liz Cheney fan over that. Um, but... He was an older guy who was not going to be a candidate. I think Barack Obama picked Joe Biden, thinking that Biden had basically aged his way out. I think Biden is, I mean, I think Obama is as stunned as anybody that Joe Biden's in. 
By the way, these are the favorites. So I think that's a really good point, Buck. Is Trump looking for somebody who is going to be a stabilizing force inside the government but may, may not have the ambition to be the next president? Or is he trying to be uh, basically giving the, 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 the deputization of this is next man up? Uh, Christy Noam is the favorite right now in gambling markets. Tim Scott, you can gamble on who the vice president is going to be. Tim Scott in second place. Vivek in third place, Elise Stefanik in fourth place, Byron Donalds in fifth place, Nikki Haley in uh, sixth place, Buck. That would be uh, the predicted markets right now uh, in real time who they think that Trump is going to select as his VP, uh, which will be, uh, I think, probably the most interesting of the decisions. I also, I haven't heard Trump, maybe you have, Buck, I haven't heard a time frame yet of when his plan would be to announce a candidate. Obviously, we're going to be up in Milwaukee in July. I would think it would happen sometime around Memorial Day. Early June would be my guess. Uh, that obviously is going to be a big attention grabber. All right. I, I agree. I think that Trump is going to play it for maximum media benefit as well as the uh, effect that it may have on, on the ticket. Although, in general, I think that vice presidents don't, don't really do all that much, but to be fair, in an election that I think is going to be so razor thin, if you're talking about something that's going to be as close as what 2024 is likely to be, every little bit can make the difference, right? Every good decision or not can be the determining factor between whether or not you have a Trump presidency or Biden slash, yeah, yeah, I know, you all think that someone else is going to be in for Biden, whatever it may be, though, uh, same rules apply. Are you a jump-out-of-bed-in-the-morning type? I'm not. I wish I were. Carrie is. She gets up every morning super early. But our friends at Chalk make mornings manageable with the supplements that they've got. Their male and female vitality stacks are formulated with natural ingredients to give men and women energy and stamina. For guys, the male vitality sack replenishes testosterone, something that diminishes as we age. And for the ladies, it's all about balancing those hormones. Chalk also has a product I personally love called Chad Mode. I took it today. It's a powder supplement. You mix in with water or juice before working out, or even if you just have a super busy day, want to get a lot done around the house, get a lot of cleaning done, a lot of admin done, just go for a long walk and have a lot of energy, Chad Mode is awesome. You can learn more about the ingredients, which are all clean, good ingredients. You can read them. You'll know what they are at chalk.com. That's C-H-O-Q.com. Through the end of this month, Chalk is offering a massive discount on any subscription for life exclusive to you. Visit chalk.com. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code for that big-time discount. That's choq.com, and use that promo code, Buck. Truth-seeking. Reality-telling. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Final hour of the show, Thursday edition. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Want to let you know. Go subscribe to the podcast. You just heard Carol, Carol Markowitz on with us in the last half hour. She does a phenomenal podcast. Tudor Dixon will have her on again soon. She's also doing incredible work. More to be added soon to that podcast network. Obviously, you can get me and Buck broken down by the hour if you're busy. Uh, you can run right in there and be like, oh, I see they're talking about X topic. I want to dive in. I want to listen to that uh, while you work out, while you run around. Uh, pick up the kids, sit in line at the carpool, wherever you might be. You can take us with you. You can even pull a Laura Travis and listen to us at twice the rate of speed with which we actually talk. 
so that you can hear the whole show in 45 minutes, which legitimately is what my wife does. Um, she will zoom right through, uh, and uh, you can listen faster and feel like you're being super productive. Um, but several different things that I want to hit. By the way, you can also go subscribe to uh, clayandbuck.com, become a VIP. You can email directly. Producer Ali will see everything that's sent in. And uh, you also then will have the opportunity to watch us, if you so desire, for three hours of daily radio. Hello, we are waving at you right now. It is exquisite. Buck is saying hi occasionally. You might get dogs, you might get children in video. You really have no idea what might come from one moment to the next. All right, Uh, several different things that are out there. We've talked about a variety of topics, but I want to hit a couple that we haven't uh, really discussed so far. And I want to start, Buck, with this ridiculous idea that Joe Biden is remaining committed to of trying to cancel, and cancel is in quotation marks, student loan debt. Uh, they sent an email to over a hundred thousand student loan borrowers and they said, Hey, uh, Santa Joe Biden has decided that he's going to cancel your student loans. Um, now this is absurd on so many different levels. And the primary one that I would start with, Buck, is there's no such thing as canceling student loans. The debts are there. What's really happening is, and I would encourage the media, The idea that you're using the phrase cancel student loans is a lie on its face. Uh, I would encourage anybody out there in media to start accurately reflecting what is occurring here, which is the loan repayment obligation is being shifted from the individual who took the loan out and incurred the liability to you and me and every other taxpayer in America to the tune of now I believe the dollar figure cost on this reportedly buck is $140 billion. It's not being canceled. You and me who didn't have student debt loan debt now do. We're taking it on. And buck, this is occurring in direct contravention of a Supreme Court ruling that said Joe Biden did not have the ability to do this with over $400 billion, which he tried to do right before the 2022 election. And if you actually respected the Supreme Court or the rule of law in this country, you wouldn't be doing what Joe Biden is doing, which is thumbing your nose at Supreme Court rulings and saying, basically, I dare the court to stop me from doing what I am doing here. I'm fired up about this, the fact the way it's covered and the fact that it's continuing to occur. Straight out of the Obama playbook, by the way, this is what Barack Obama did many times where he would publicly say, I don't have the power to, in order to try and uh, coerce Congress, Republicans in Congress, into doing something. And then when they would stand firm and not do what the Democrats and Obama want them to, just say, all right, well, I'm just going to do it. Remember, I got a pen and a phone. That was what Obama said, a pen and a phone, as if that was all that it took. And I think there were... Of 13 or 14 times the Supreme Court had to review Obama executive orders, Obama lost, I believe, 11. I mean, just absolutely uh, overreach time and time again of executive power under the Obama administration for eight years. Now, what does that have to do with Joe Biden? This is the break the glass, all bets are off, who cares strategy. The only thing that prevents Democrats from doing something in this election year is can they pull it off do they have the raw power to just do it and will it help them or hurt them politically principle constitution separation of powers none of those things really come into the equation 
And this is just a straightforward, unconstitutional buying off of voters. Now, that same principle, I don't know if we call it the razor's edge principle that we talked about in the last hour. I said, yeah, VPs don't move the needle that much. But when you talk about how you think it might help with a VP, it doesn't yeah. have to help very much, right? If, if, if 50,000 people think that, you know, Christy Nome or, uh, or JD Vance or whomever is a great VP and that changes their mind, that could actually change the election. Same thing here applies to the student loan borrowers. You don't have to buy off that many voters in such an explicit quid pro quo way, an unconstitutional way to maybe buy yourself four more years of the presidency. Two things there building off what you said. One, this allows Biden, if the Supreme Court strikes it down, to say, I tried to take care mm-hmm. of you. Those awful Republicans on the Supreme Court are the ones who took this benefit away from you. Because once he gives it, then people yeah. are more reactive when it gets taken away. It, it's like Biden is evil Santa Claus yeah. here. That's right. Second part on this, b- building on what you just said about how it, it only takes like a pinprick of people to actually potentially adjust the outcome of this election. My theory, and some of you out there can tell can tell me I'm crazy. I understand the argument that Trump has that by and large VP choice doesn't matter. Um, but my theory here is there are millions of people, and I'm curious if you buy into this theory at all, Buck, and also all of you out there uh, as well. There are millions of people, maybe even tens of millions of people in the United States that are going to say, eh, I'm not really a Biden guy. Eh, I'm not really a Trump guy. And a lot of those same people are going to say, and I don't really like Kamala Harris either. If Trump picked a likable VP, I really do believe that there are potentially millions of voters out there that will say, and again, I'm not talking about the people who are already committed to vote Democrat or Republican, and you could throw out anybody on the ticket, and they're so committed to the team, they're going to show up and vote, right? That's probably 85 90% of the overall electorate. I'm talking about that 10%. I think there are tens of millions of people in America, not consistent voters, not necessarily going to show up, may not make a decision on who to vote for until the last couple of weeks, maybe not even until the week of the election, that would look and say, I don't like Trump, I don't like Biden, I don't like Kamala. That's what all the numbers would reflect. But if Trump could pick a likable VP, they may say, you know what, but I kind of like this person. And I mentioned several different women that I think could be in that likable category. I think Christy Noem could. I think that uh, Marsha Blackburn could. I think that, um, uh, I, I think Katie Britt, I'm not hearing anybody talk about her. She's got two kids, Buck, 42 years old, good-looking, looks like the kind of family that women would like to have. This is one thing that I like about Ron DeSantis, and I think Ron DeSantis and Casey DeSantis would have had a lot of appeal to people for this reason. You know, we had Gerdusky on, Buck. This is a crazy stat. Men have voted for every Republican, majority of men, since 1964. It's LBJ, right? LBJ, that's a crazy stat. I think there are lots of women out there, suburban, college-educated women, that look at families, the kind of people, and I'm part of this crew, so I think about it, Buck, you'll be part of this crew one day, that send out Christmas cards and put all their kids on the Christmas card. I think a lot of women look at that and say, what a beautiful family. I would like to have a family like that. She looks like my family. 
I feel connected to that family. Kamala Harris doesn't connect like that. I feel like Trump has an, and by the way, Trump's on, what is it, wife number three? I can see why a lot of women out there are like, hey, you know, like, I, I don't know necessarily that I buy into wanting to be with a guy who's on wife number three. I'm sure maybe there's a widower out there listening to us who unfortunately has had two different wives or two different husbands die. If you're on the third uh, third uh, lifelong partner and you haven't had a couple of double deaths because it's awful and you just happen to, to, to get awful luck that way, most people out there are like, yeah, I don't want to be married three times. But you've got uh, somebody like Katie Britt, somebody like Marsha Blackburn, who's a grandma, has a beautiful family. I think that could move some of these women. I think they would say, I don't like Trump. I don't like uh, Biden. That's going to be very consensus. You're going to hear that a lot from people who are middle of the road. Cool. I don't like Kamala. That's that's who you could appeal to. I think they're it, I think they're grabbable. It's a little bit like people used to discuss, uh, particularly in the early 2000s. You'd hear, and this was the big plus for George W. Bush at the time, right? This is pre all yes. the wars and 9/11. Yep. People would say, oh, he's the kind of guy you want to have a beer with. Correct. The beer test. And you brought that up. Yep. For women, it might be, you know. A matcha latte test, but it's a similar idea. Of I don't even you, know what that is. What is the matcha latte? You've never had a green tea matcha latte? I've never even heard of it. I don't even know what that is. I mean, it's something that flute players really like. I can tell you that. <laughs> I I legitimately have never heard that phrase in my whole life. This is, I, a matcha latte? Yes, it's a real thing. Green tea. It's a tea, matcha. but a latte would be like coffee. This is like a tea, like this is, you, the, your the next time is, you're in South Beach, we're going to get you into a Berry's boot camp class and I've we're going to serve you a matcha latte. Oh, you have been, been to Berry's. Okay. Well, there's a Berry's in Nashville. It's where all the really good looking young women go. Uh, and one of my single guy friends took me to a Berry's boot camp class, uh, with him one time. And I was like, I mean, you're not even coming to work out. You're just coming to look at girls. He was like, yeah, basically. So I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, so yeah, I'm sure in South Beach or in Miami where you are, this is probably the best looking, uh, workout group of all time. All, all these moms go in there. They've got three or four kids already and they're all in better shape than me. And I'm like, I don't know. How is this even possible? It yeah, is. no doubt. But, but yes, I mean, on, on some level, I think that women respond to families that they would like to have. They see themselves as a personification of that. I don't know that the Trump people are going to make this decision, and I think this factors in what our our guy we we like him. Tim Scott just got uh, engaged. I think Tim Scott being a single guy and not having a family actually made people less likely to vote for him because people want to see themselves reflected in some way in their leaders. And I think if Trump got a woman that would appeal to suburbs. And people got mad at me when I talked about Nikki Haley. I think if Nikki Haley hadn't been an idiot running this campaign to scorched earth, I think it could have been her. Although, you know, she doesn't necessarily have some of the details. Do you, do you her think family. I'm off with this, by the way? Do you think maybe Nikki Haley is just doing the bidding of the donor class because she knows when the dust settles and she doesn't have a job in politics, better to be on the good side of people that can give her board seats and, and speaking gigs? Or is I, that too hard? I, I, I think that's a part of the book. I think she's also gambling that Trump's going to lose. And then if she runs again in 28, she can be the person who comes out and says, see, I told you, you should have picked me in 24. If Trump wins, I think Nikki Haley's political career is over. Because I think if Trump wins in 24, why would you support Nikki Haley in 28 based on the way that she has behaved here? I mean, I... I, I there are going to be 20 people mm. running in 28 if Trump wins. Even if Trump doesn't win, I think there'll be 20 people running. 
I think Nikki Haley is sabotaging her career. And I think the theory is that either Trump's going to lose and she will be the person who was the truth teller. I don't know that I buy that, but I think that's one theory. The other one is she's just like, screw it. I'm going to make as much money as I possibly can. And a lot of really super rich people are now my friends and they're going to take care of me and my family for the rest of my life. I mean, I think based on the history of what happened after she was U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch to me. I'd also put out there, and, and maybe we can return to this, but it'll be a recurring theme nonetheless. We mentioned um, the Leticia James statement. She's the attorney general for New York, that she will seize Trump buildings. I grew up in New York City, okay, walking around seeing Trump this and Trump Plaza and Trump Tower and Trump International and, you know, all these things. They're going to start just deciding that those are now no longer Trump property. I mean, how, yeah. how is that going to look? What is what is the future? They're going to auction off these Trump buildings. I, I don't know what they think they're going to do, but I think we should return to that because you mentioned this. Trump's popularity has been going up since they've done this to him. I think that this could be another this could be another overstep on there. Maybe oh, yes. it drains resources from them in a way that hurts. Sure, but I do think that it's going to backfire in terms of public opinion because this is now it is not the most hardcore far-right people who think that trump is being persecuted correct trump is being persecuted that is happening right now we all see it no doubt uh value we'll talk about that when we come back valuables in the home need to be protected properly could be jewelry important papers guns gold you want a quality safe to protect all of that more than two million americans have chosen liberty safe for once-in-a-lifetime purchase. Over 32,000 of them have posted glowing reviews online. American-made Liberty Safe. They'll fit anywhere. More than 30 models, two dozen colors, thousands of custom options to help create the safe of your dreams. These safes are guaranteed for life, and if it's ever damaged in an attempted break-in or a fire, your Liberty Safe will be replaced for free. The best warranty out there you can get. I want you to check it out. They have every different type. Bucks got Liberty Safe. I'm getting a Liberty Safe. You can find one that works for you. Shop LibertySafe.com slash radio for a customized Fortress Strong Liberty Safe. Use the coupon, coupon code radio for a 10% discount for supporting Liberty Safe. It's made in America by Americans. You'll also get a free $60 value locking gun vault with your Liberty Safe purchase reserved exclusively for members of this audience. Again, go to LibertySafe.com slash radio. That's LibertySafe.com slash radio. Use that promo code radio, the best way to get yourself set up right now with a brand new Liberty Safe to protect what you care about the most in your home in terms of property and possessions and privacy settings. LibertySafe.com slash radio. 24, a new podcast from Clay and Buck covering all things election. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern. Find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. 
We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in here to Clay and Buck and Carol now. Carol Markowitz with us. She has the Carol Markowitz Show, which if you want to listen to it, I highly recommend you do. It's uh, great. Lots of folks really enjoying it. It's on the Clay and Buck Podcast Network, so just subscribe to Clay and Buck Podcast, Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. Carol Markowitz Show will be in that feed for your listening enjoyment. Carol is with us now. Good to talk to you, Carol. How are you doing? Hi, guys. How's it going? Good, good. So, so tell us, you, like me, are a fellow New York City refugee. And New York City has been turned into an actual refugee camp. <laughs> and part of that is the giving of cash cards to these refugees. Notice how they won't use that term. But if they're seeking asylum, they are, in fact, refugees. Why won't they just say that? Um, they've come up with this new vague sort of catch-all migrant term. Anyway, um, but if they're giving money to the refugees, how much? What are the rules? How much will it cost? And why should we think it'll stop at what the numbers are right now? Right. So the story broke that the New York City mayor had come up with this plan to give $1,000 a month to 500 migrants who are living at the Roosevelt Hotel. It's going to be a pilot program, and it's going to start with just those people. And the idea that, that he said was that they were wasting a lot of food, the migrants were eating the food that was provided to them for free, um, and so this was a better way. This was a way to have them buy their own food and deal with their food themselves. Okay, as soon as I heard about this, I thought, this is a terrible idea. That's just, it's so wrong. You know, you do the calculations, $12,000 a year times 500 migrants, that's, you know, $6 million. And that's an insane amount of money, right? Any New Yorker could easily use 12, an extra 12000 a year. We have homeless people, we have uh, vets, we have single mothers. All of them can use $12,000. But the thing is, we find out today in Nicole Jolinas' column in the New York Post, you know, the best newspaper out there, 
that <laughs> that we wish it was six million buck. It, it, it's nowhere near six million. It's going to be a fifty-three million dollar no bid contract to some dude you've never heard of at some bank you've never heard of to print these debit cards for the migrants, and the total should be again six million. But because they're obviously going to be taking a cut. It's a $53 million contract, and the mayor gave it to this man because he met him on the campaign trail, and he liked him, allegedly. Well, hey, that's good for that guy, I guess, if you meet him on the campaign trail. I'd like to meet people give me $53 million out on the campaign trail. Uh, Carol, I wanted to get your read, and again, I encourage everybody to go check out the Carol Markowitz podcast as part of the Clay and Buck uh, podcast network. Story came out from Siena. Uh, we've had this conversation with you. You're from New York originally, relocated to Florida like Buck. Um, Jewish voters in the state of New York, 53 to 44, that Siena poll said that they were supporting Trump over Biden. Now, as Buck has pointed out and we talked about, there are a lot of orthodox New York Jews yeah. who tend to be more conservative. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not representative of the Jewish population nationwide. But when you saw that, in the wake of October 7th, you know, they tried to say Trump is Hitler, Trump is a Nazi for seven years, eight years now. Right. Are you feeling Jewish voters moving? Do you think that's representative of maybe the Jewish electorate being mm-hmm. up for grabs in a way in 2024 that they never have been before? Absolutely. I think the Jewish electorate has been moving rightward for a while. It's I've written about it in the past. Trump got, I think, 35% of the Jewish vote. Ron DeSantis got 40% of the Jewish vote in his run in Florida. It really depends where. Um, but I, when I saw that, those numbers, obviously I'm taking it with a grain of salt. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't feel like the campaign has begun yet where the Democrats are going to come after Donald Trump with everything they have. He's going to be an you know, insurrectionist who wants to destroy our democracy, and he's going to be painted as an anti-Semite and all of these things. So we'll see where these numbers really end up. But I think Jews have been moving rightward for a while. Um, of course, it's the Orthodox that are leading the way on this. It's it's the same as in non-Jewish population. If you if you go to church, you're more likely to vote Republican. If you vote, if you go to synagogue, you're more likely to vote Republican. So what's really happening are, is a secular Jews who would be the Democrats, the Woody Allen Jews that you kind of think of when you think of a New York Jew are really breeding themselves out of existence. They don't, they're not having as many children. They're not having as many Jewish children. There's this joke, you know, what's the difference between a secular Jew and Donald Trump? He has Jewish grandchildren. So, <laughs> that is a great that is a great joke. Yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> so that's where we are and I think that we're going to see a shift. I hope it's that big, but I, you know, I'm 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 counting on small moves for now and and hoping it trends in the right direction. You think that some of the issues Carol uh around around parents and parenting stuff and we're we're, we're running the whole we're running the whole cycle here. We got Carol on New York City <laughs> on the yeah. Jewish vote and now on mom stuff. Um <laughs> So, uh, you know, because it seemed like such a big issue, you know, uh, we, we, um, still see, uh, uh, Haya from Libs of TikTok yeah. doing what she does and showing the indoctrination programs ongoing. I feel like it, it, it has the left, they haven't stopped this stuff, but are they less aggressively in our faces about what they want to, how they want to indoctrinate kids, you know, cause it feels like we're not talking about it very much. And to me, the electorate, that's a 60-40, maybe 70-30, maybe even higher issue on a lot of this stuff. For, for a lot of
of it it is, but I have to say that Republicans just don't fight back in the same way. So, for example, the porn in school libraries conversation that should be a complete win for Republicans has, has started to pull badly for us, for the, for the voices of sanity who don't want pornography in their children's school library. That's no longer a winning issue somehow because they've painted us as book burners and, oh, you know, if you don't want pornographic images and you want to get rid of, you know, classics. And obviously it's all ridiculous, but there's no real fight back. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the groups are fighting back, but I think that the party does not do a good job of mounting the attacks back. Um, I, I also, there was a story in Free Press today about a Brooklyn public school in my old neighborhood of Park Slope that the parents, they had a snow day and the parents found out that they were giving out coloring books, BLM coloring books to their kids. And they only found out because it was a snow day and the kids were home and they had the coloring books with them. So this is still being pushed in all of our schools. We just don't always know about it. The insidiousness is really a large part of it. I, I wrote about this in my book, Stolen Youth. It's they, they know that most parents will not want their kids indoctrinated. Even the far left ones won't want it coming from the school necessarily. And so they do it really quietly, really secretly, and parents need to stay on top of what their kids are getting in school. Otherwise, they're going to be definitely susceptible to getting BLM coloring books. They better be careful with what those kids color the people in the BLM coloring <laughs> books because God forbid you uh, misgender or mis uh, miscolor right. a uh, an individual in the BLM coloring book. Um Carol uh Yeah. Yeah, we we're talking Buck and I have been a lot and we took some calls on this. Um if you look at the data, men are overwhelmingly voting if assuming it's Trump v. Biden for Trump, right. men, if only male voters were involved, Trump would win. And and I'm not even kidding about this. But argue, arguably, Trump would win all 50 states. If only women voted, Biden might win 50 states. I mean, this right. we're talking about one of the biggest gender divides that we've ever seen. So, right. Carol, when you look at this, mm-hmm. does who Trump picks as VP matter if it's a woman? How can Trump cut into what is going to be a huge advantage for Biden in your mind when it comes to female voters? It's just it's so tough because, like I said, the the campaign against him has not truly begun yet. And I think when it does, we're going to see some, you know, serious attacks on him. Um, I think the abortion thing is going to be big for these suburban, you know, women voters. But I think a lot of the, the comments that he's made over the years, all of that's going to be playing in our faces over and over again. In theory, a female vice presidential pick should maybe help, but I don't see it necessarily being the case here because these liberal women are very good at compartmentalizing conservative women into being not really women, not really the kind of women that we want. So I don't think a Christy Nome or Elise Stefanik or whatever, I don't think any any of these kind of left-leaning suburban women are going to look at them and say, oh, you know, I, that he, he picked a woman, therefore I'm going to vote for him. I, I, I wonder if he picks Nikki Haley if he picks up more kind of Republican-leaning women who would maybe go out for him if he had a woman as his VP. I'm not so sure. I don't know. I think he should pick the candidate that he thinks would be best to take over should anything happen. Um, I think that's what we should be doing in all facets of our lives. Perhaps we shouldn't be doing, you know, this demographic thing that we keep doing. Uh, we end up with, you know, the Kamala Harris's of the world as our VP Perhaps we should choose based on merit. I know that's a that's not crazy. Really this is, I, I, right this now, is a lot of wisdom, and and I I love all of it. By the way, because first of all, I totally agree with you. I don't think that we, we conservative. So there's a problem that you've identified. That I keep talking about here on the show, 
and it is that conservatives don't get credit for DEI. It doesn't matter. If you have a black mm-hmm. vice president, exactly. you're not going to win more black votes. If you have a female vice president, you're not going to win more. We, we keep yeah. doing this. And it's a little weird because on the one hand, conservatives say it's about the person, not the color of their skin, not their gender, not any of those things. But then we play that game too sometimes because we think somewhat cynically, oh, well, we can benefit from it as well. Mm-hmm. And we don't. And we kind of right. undersell our own principle with that, right? It's like if there's a, a, you know, a black female vice president who's the best Republican for the job, it shouldn't be because of the fact that she's a black female. It should be because right. we think she's the best. So it doesn't matter, right? But yep. I think and, we and get look, away from that far too easily. Absolutely. And look, you know, Republicans have picked up more Hispanic voters in the last few years. They picked up, again, more Jewish voters. They picked up more Asian voters. And they haven't had a Hispanic presidential candidate or a Asian presidential candidate or whatever. It, it hasn't mattered. They've, they've earned these votes in other ways, not saying, like, look, I'm going to pick a, a diversity hire. And look, this, this person, you know, looks like you. Therefore, you should vote for them. That's just not how it works. Carol, on the way out, I think I made fun of your Dallas Cowboys last time, and uh, afterwards yeah, you said your son wanted to fire back at me. So on the biggest radio show in the country, I will give you an opportunity to allow your son to take shots at my favorite teams. Uh, so well, fire away. Yeah, so my 8-year-old, I said, you know, Clay Travis made fun of uh, the Cowboys not being at the Super Bowl, and he said, who's his team? And I said, I think it's the Titans. And he said, a Titans fan is making fun of us? <laughs> Which, you know, it's a good go. response. I mean, dunks, your eight-year-old, I mean, on. he dunked yeah. on me. He dunked yeah. on me. So I wanted yeah. to give you a chance. Congratulate your eight-year-old. I, I, you know, you. I, there was a study out recently, Carol, uh, that my friend Jacob Oldman at Fox Sports sent me that said that Tennessee Titans fans drink more than any other <laughs> NFL fan base. And I said, you know what? I can see it. Uh, I, 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 I'm guilty right. as charged. We lose a lot. Subscribe yeah. to the Carol Markowitz podcast by subscribing to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast, and then go listen to Carol on demand. Carol, great to have you here. Thanks, guys. Thank you. She's always good. Uh, Buck, I'm not kidding. Uh, the Tennessee Titans fan base was ranked as the biggest drinking fan base in the entirety of the NFL. And I looked at this list my uh, my buddy Jacob Ullman sent to me. Um, he's been at Fox Sports for a long time. And I said, you know what? This makes a decent amount of sense. It's the Titans, it's the Steelers, the Colts, the Falcons, and the Saints are the biggest drinking fan bases in America. Now, um, there are a lot of Southerners on that list, so uh, and, and Pittsburgh people. Uh, it doesn't really surprise you, but maybe you're tired of losing. If you're tired of losing, have I got the app for you, Prize Picks? Uh, you can pull it out right now. Open up the App Store. Get Prize Picks, download it, and you can also just go to PrizePicks.com. Their website will, unlike the dog website that we sent you to earlier that immediately collapsed, their website can handle the traffic. And guess what? They'll give you a hundred bucks. You put in a hundred dollars, they'll give you a hundred dollars. I don't know that we've ever said, "Hey, go do something." They'll pay you to do it. That's what they're doing right now at Prize Picks. Quick withdrawals, huge selection of player sports stat types. They are the number one daily fantasy sports app for a reason. No matter whether you're into basketball, hockey, tennis, soccer, golf, even eSports, and guess what? You can play it in California. You can play it in Texas. You can play it in Georgia, places that you otherwise aren't able to make picks. It's awesome, and they'll give you a 100 bucks if you go download it right now. Use my name, Clay, as the promo code. Again, first deposit match up to $100. You put in $100. They'll give you $100. How many places can you immediately double your money and have fun in the process? Get hooked up now. Go to prizepicks.com, 
my name Clay, prizepicks.com slash Clay, or put in my name Clay and you get up to a hundred bucks. Prizepicks.com, my name Clay, go to get there, sign up today. You don't know what you don't know, right? But you could on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.